Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. This is the Cowboys Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Cowboys Wire editor, K.D. Drummond. KD, the whole we're not giving up on the division title thing we talked about with the Cowboys. No, that was fun while it lasted, wasn't it? Yeah, a little bit. It it was a little bit of fun to live in that dream la-la land that there was a chance that they could have done something. But uh, we we see very clearly where this team is right now. I mean, I really believed it, though. I mean, the schedule is in their favor. uh, But now, after back-to-back losses to the football team and now to Baltimore, you're 3-9, and six losses in seven games. Uh, I think all sane Cowboys fans are probably happy to just let New York and Washington duke it out for the division title, right, KD? And mathematically, that thing probably isn't quite over yet. But I think... Standing here today, entering week 14, it's over. It's time to start unwinding, relaxing, looking ahead, looking forward to next year, right? Don't get angry like Troy Aikman on the broadcast. I want to talk about that later. (laughs) I want to talk about that later. Put a pin in that one. But I think, like, as Cowboys fans, just let Washington and and New York battle it out. And and we'll just watch it on the sidelines and eat our popcorn and watch it. Yeah, it's it's laughable. And I'm (laughs) glad that you mentioned Troy Aikman because, and and yes, we will talk about that later. We're going to do a whole segment on that. (laughs) How how could you not, how could you be associated with this team and not be glad? laughing at this point. I mean, there was one play in particular that will stand out to me as a microcosm of the season. The quarterback for the Ravens threw a ball that was probably 10 feet above the receiver's head. <laughs> and inexplicably, Xavier Woods, who has completely regressed under the Mike Nolan defense, just absolutely tackled the dude, <laughs> even though there was no chance that he even came close to the ball. Yep. And it was so egregious, you couldn't even be mad at the referees for calling it. Like, you know, I saw a lot of people on Twitter talking about, oh, that was an uncatchable pass. And I don't care. <laughs> he was so egregious in the fact that he attacked that receiver that bad, you absolutely had to call the penalty on that guy. And that was just a microcosm of where the Cowboys are on defense right now. They have no clue what is going on with the opponent. They're just out there running around like chickens with their heads cut off right now. No, it's it's easy to have beef with the Cowboys. And for me, it's like, all right, now, I, th- I believe the Cowboys, KD, actually wanted to win. They actually wanted to compete for this division. Now, with Washington beating the Steelers and the Giants stunning Seattle, those are games that we could have penciled in losses for those two teams. So now the whole, it's just over, like I said earlier. But yep. you had 12 days to prepare for this Ravens team. 12 days because of this scheduling anomaly. You play on Thanksgiving, and then you don't play till the next Tuesday night, or two Tuesdays after that, I should say. You had all this time to prepare, and, like, did anyone tell Mike McCarthy that the Ravens run the football, right? Like, they're just getting gashed on the ground. It reminded you of that Browns game. It had to have, right? I mean, yep. I, I just could not believe how ill-prepared they were for the Ravens' run game and how they just could not figure that thing out. And that was that, that one's easy to get mad about, right? That one's easy to be like, even if you know, okay, even if you're in the tank and you're like, whatever, just lose the game, whatever, let's get on with our lives. That one still kind of sticks in your craw a little bit it's like dude you can't prepare a little bit better and like have a little bit better showing because that was embarrassing their effort against the run 294 yards given up on the ground Brutal. third time this season they given up over 250 it, it was just an absolute embarrassment but i i think you sing, you singled out the wrong mic the nolan the, yeah the, the the anger has to be directed towards the defensive coordinator mike nolan and it, it's not all his fault but it's mostly his fault because <laughs> the way that they've prepared this team, we all, we've spoken about a week after week. And I, I made a tweet joke earlier today. You know, I'm tired of beating the drum that it's Mike Nolan. That's my thing from my catch his fade podcast. <laughs> yep, yep. I'm tired of shaking my fist at Mike Nolan. Somebody is going to have to, you know, cue up the horn section because I'm tired of beating the drum that it's his fault. <laughs> 
It is so bad when it comes to the Cowboys defense. The scheme was bad. It was dumb of him to try to do this hybrid defensive scheme once they learned that we had the pandemic and there was going to be no virtual offseason. It was dumb of him not to regroup and say, okay, we're going to dumb this down and we're going to play something a little bit easier for everybody to catch on to knowing that we're going to cancel preseason. That was on him completely. And we've seen the effects of that. We've seen players that are not very good play horribly. And then we've seen players that are good or can be good play bad. Uh, and it's just, it's a train wreck. We we see Leighton Van Der Esch, who prior to his injuries was a guy that could sniff out what the other team was doing. He was sure of himself. He knew what was going on. But because of the lackluster effort from everybody surrounding him, now Leighton Van Der Esch is guessing and playing wrong. And that Lamar Jackson 37-yard run, LVE, he, he admitted it. He was like, I just screwed that up. He took the absolute worst hole. I don't, I don't know what he was trying to cover, but he basically allowed the red seat apart. Yeah. Then they have a safety that should not be in the NFL right now, Darian Thompson. They're starting him, playing him 100% of the snaps. He just went on the outside. I don't even know what he was trying to accomplish as as, a fo- as opposed to trying to fill the gap on that one. So it wasn't just the Lamar Jackson run. Gus Edwards, Gus the bus, averaged like 14 yards of carry. J.K. Dobbins, the rookie, uh, he was phenomenal. Everybody had huge EPAs in the run game for the Baltimore Ravens. And it just comes down to the fact that Mike Nolan did not prepare this team and they do not have the talent. Uh, I was against, I, I won't say I was against, I questioned the signings that they had in the offseason when it came down to Don Terry Poe and Gerald McCoy. I asked people, I was like, okay, we know that they're big names, but are they still good? And, you know, McCoy might have been good, but he had the injury with his quad. They had an injury waiver, so they knew that there was a question mark about his health, but he was gone before the season started. They ended up releasing Don Terry Poe. He was an abject failure. So they did not get the horses that they needed to to be defensive tackles. Uh, Antoine Woods has bubbled up. He plays well on occasion. He is not enough. Tyrone Crawford is washed. Uh, Neville Gallimore has not ascended. Tristan Hill is out for the year with an injury. He tore his ACL. So it's just an amazing amount of sucktitude when it comes to the defensive tackle position for the Cowboys right now. And everything from the run defense stems from that. And the fact that the guys just don't have confidence in what they're doing out there. And I can't wait any longer, KD. Let's get to Troy Aikman. I, I got to get your take. I could not wait to get your take on Troy Aikman. We'll, be, we'll do that on the other side. We'll be right back. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. I'm Corey Benini at TheHuddle.com, welcoming you to week 14 of the fantasy football season. If you're still listening, that means you're likely in the playoffs. Let's talk strong plays to help get you into week 15 action. This one isn't for the faint of heart. Jaguars quarterback Mike Glennon faces the Tennessee Titans. Only four teams have been easier to exploit, and six different quarterbacks have gone for at least 23 fantasy points versus Tennessee, including nearly 31 points from Gardner Minshew back in week two. If you've squeaked into the playoffs and are truly desperate, Glennon is a Hail Mary option. New York Jets running back Ty Johnson at the Seattle Seahawks. This is one you'll have to watch from an injury perspective because Frank Gore left last week with a concussion. It's hard to see the Jets turning away from Johnson after the spark he gave this offense last week. While Seattle's defense has been easily exploited through the air this season, the ground game is catching up. Last week we saw New York Giants running backs Wayne Gallman and Alfred Morris demonstrate this with some smash mouth football of their own. Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver Hunter Renfro versus the Indianapolis Colts. On paper, the matchup isn't a 
appealing. But we saw last week Houston's Kiki Kuti went for 141 yards on eight receptions. And the Colts have been pleased to give up underneath work to wide receivers if it means they don't let guys like Nelson Aguilar or Henry Ruggs uncork a long one over the top. As we've seen throughout 2020, Renfro isn't involved very much unless the team is playing from behind. In that case, volume is what gives them a chance to matter against Indianapolis. Another recommendation that's worth trying but requires gamers to pay attention to the injury report, Anthony Ferkser of the Tennessee Titans. Starting tight end John Smith has a knee injury and missed week 13. It's unclear if he'll play at this time in week 14, and if not, Ferkser belongs in lineups. He landed 5 of 7 looks last week for 51 yards, and that line would have been better if backup tight end McCall Pruitt didn't steal a touchdown from him. Everybody loves that on the verge of the fantasy football playoffs. Jacksonville has given up 9 touchdowns in 12 games to the position, and more impressively, that has come at a clip of 1 every 5 catches. For that alone, Ferkser is a gamble in all leagues if you're looking for a tight end. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. I just don't know where this organization, you know, where they go. There, there's just so many things that have to be addressed this offseason. Now, that wasn't even the worst of what Aikman said during the broadcast, KD. He also called out Mike McCarthy for, um, what, what did he say? He said he ru- he cares about how many times he runs the football, but not how many yards he gains, right? And Troy yeah. Aikman, is, uh, he's like a cult figure for the Cowboys, right? I mean, Cowboys fans, I think, love him, but he's in the booth. He seems like he's always calling Cowboys games, for, for one. He seems like he's always in the booth on a Cowboys game <laughs> in national TV. I, that, that happens all the time. It must be the Fox thing, right? But, yep. man... When Aikman criticizes the Cowboys and he loves to do it, he does it often. Cowboys fans feel a certain kind of way on it in social media. And that's actually really fun to like search uh, Troy Aikman's name on Twitter and see all the Cowboys fans yelling and being all pissed off about him. Right. And how do you feel when uh, when Aikman's in the booth and you can just see you can just tell he's still attached to the organization. He still cares so much that he is just he almost sounds like you in in the podcast studio. Right. He's just (laughs) he's just like, oh, man, this team has burned me so many times and he just can't help himself. He has to he has to let it out. It's been an amazing juxtaposition for Cowboys fans yep. who love Aikman. And they've Aikman has gotten a horrible rap amongst the Cowboys community for being too hard on the Cowboys in the past. Um, and, and they just basically don't like him because he doesn't he doesn't roll in the same direction as the Joneses. And, you know, the Joneses are always everything. They, they give flowers to everybody. You know, they're, they're saying, you know, don't wait until somebody passes until you give them flowers. The Joneses have no issue giving people flowers while they're still alive. And they sure. do it in the worst positions for players that aren't very good, uh, but they, they, they want to stay connected with. Uh, Aikman tells it like it is. And it's it's a blessing, I think. Troy Aikman is the number one color analyst on Fox. Tony Romo is the number one color analyst on CBS. So anytime the Cowboys are on that network, they, we get Tony Romo. And for the most part, if Troy Troy Aikman isn't covering the game for the for Fox. We get Daryl Johnson, so it's always a somebody that's sympathetic to the Cowboys situation calling their games, mm-hmm. and it gives a lot of insight into the organization. And you hear these legends of the organization uh, basically, like like I said, tell it like it is. And Aikman did not hold anything back. I, I can only imagine what he was saying in between takes. You know, there's been a couple hot mics that have happened <laughs> yeah, with the yeah. Fox broadcast crew so far this year. I would love to get the hot mic on what they were saying when they worked on the air about the calamity that is 
is the Dallas Cowboys of the 2020 season. And he's exactly right. There is so much that needs to be addressed in this offseason. I do not believe that the Cowboys are going to walk away from Mike McCarthy. I made a tweet earlier today and it'll probably end up in an article. If they're paying Mike McCarthy more than what they were paying Jason Garrett, and how could you not? You you know, you let Garrett go. So you have to be paying the guy with Super Bowl credentials uh, more than the previous guy, yep. which was $6 million. That means that there's $24 million left on Mike McCarthy's deal. And, and coach contracts are not like the NFL player contracts. That is all guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And it's not like we're talking about dead money on the cap that you already gave the guy the money and then you just have to deal with the cap repercussions. The Cowboys are going to have to pay Mike McCarthy $24 million if they fire him. He's going nowhere. Now, I don't know how much they agreed to pay Mike Nolan at defensive uh, coordinator. Assistants normally get like three-year contracts. So I could easily see them saying, okay, we'll eat the last two years of your $2 million a year coaching contract. We'll eat that $4 million. So you got to go. But they're not going to get rid of Mike McCarthy. But it starts from there. You have to evaluate where you are with McCarthy, his staff, and what you're going to require him to do, whether or not he looks to balk at the changes that you're demanding that he makes. And then you start talking about the personnel that you have to figure out. And that's the conversation starts with what you're going to do with Dak Prescott. Uh, we heard Jimmy Johnson talk about it. And he was kind of all over the place. Talk about you have to sign Dak Prescott. But if you're in the top three or four, you have to draft a quarterback. So Jimmy Johnson was kind of all over the place. <laughs> too. out of both sides um, of his mouth there, Jimmy. Yeah, exactly. So I, he, he doesn't know what you want to do. I think what he was trying to say was if you don't have a long-term agreement with Dak Prescott, then you have to consider drafting somebody with that high of a pick because you never know when you're going to get there again. Uh, so I kind of agree with him on that. I just don't think his the, the methodology of how he presented that, I don't think that was well. But yeah, the Cowboys have a tremendous amount of decisions to make this offseason. And uh, it, it's going to be a fun ride. I don't think it's going to be a quiet day on, on the beat. No doubt. And there's, it's never quiet with Troy Aikman in the booth. He called the, uh, the red zone offense atrocious, right? I think at one point, yep. KD. Yep. And very critical of McCarthy. He's openly critical about McCarthy. And uh, you were just talking about McCarthy. In his last 40 games, his teams, I think between the Cowboys and, uh, and his Packers teams at the end, 14-25-1. I saw that stat in a yep. story. So it's tough, right? It's tough to get behind McCarthy right now. It's tough to line up behind him. I agree with you. He's not going anywhere. Does it make any sense? And I agree with you 100%. He's going to be the guy. But is he the right guy, right? Like that is yeah. that is a big time question mark. And I just don't know. You just look around the league at all the young head coaches that are killing it. Look in Cleveland, right? Stefanski. Look at look at all over the place. These young coaches are really doing well. You wonder if Jerry got that one wrong. I, I just got to throw that out there. Well, I, I have to say first this because I'm, I'm an honest person. I don't ever want to mislead people. I was so on board with hiring McCarthy. I used to run uh, power rankings for potential coaching hires towards the end of last season. Like the entire last five weeks of the 2019 season, I abandoned the player power rankings that I do on a weekly basis and I turned it into a potential coaching hire power ranking. And Mike McCarthy was my highest ranked guy outside of trading draft picks for Bill Belichick or Sean Payton. And that wasn't realistic, but I just wanted to put it out there. That's what I would prefer them to have done. Mike McCarthy was high on my list, but it is appearing that he was not prepared based on his A, his coaching hires and B, how he's traversed the terrain of the pandemic season. Now, I will say this. It opens up to question how Jerry Jones picks his coaches. It always seems to be the opposite of whatever the previous coach was. It looks like uh, Jerry Jones finds the one thing about the previous coach that he identifies as being their strong point or what he saw as being their main characteristic and then tries to find the opposite from them. He went from Dave Campbell, who was an inexperienced guy, to Bill Parcells, who had, uh, you know, the Super Bowl credentials. He was a turnaround king and all that kind of stuff. 
Parcells was clearly a disciplinarian. So when he was gone, the next hire that he made was Wade Phillips, who was known as Coach Cupcake. He was the player's coach. So he went the exact opposite of what Bill Parcells was. When he moved on from Wade Phillips, he went to the guy that was kind of in the middle, but on the opposite side. He went with Jason Garrett, who was supposed to be the offensive genius. But Jason Garrett doesn't have any experience. So when he fires Jason Garrett, he goes back to having a Super Bowl coach, the opposite of what Garrett was, somebody that already has time served in the big game and, and was able to walk away with the victory. So it seems like he's always trying to find the opposite of what the previous guy was, as opposed to finding going out and doing an actual search for the best coach. Remember, they only interviewed Marvin Lewis and Mike McCarthy before they made the decision on who they were going to hire. Huh. They didn't They didn't interview any of the hot names. They didn't uh, interview Biennemi or Robert Sala out of San Francisco. They didn't interview any of those hot names that would have been first-time coaches to at least see if they were impressive enough to make that decision on who they were going to go to. They strictly went with the guys that they identified. Jason Garrett had no experience, so now I'm with the guy with all of the experience. Interview Mike uh, Marvin Lewis, interview Mike McCarthy, signed and signed Mike McCarthy. And that's turned out to bite them in the in the rear all the time because they're not doing a full search for guys that they want that could actually turn the organization around. Oh my gosh. Like and I want to give I want to give McCarthy twenty twenty one before I really do this whole thing. So I I don't think he should lose his job by any means at right. all. I don't because I think this year is an anomaly and there's been a lot of things that have happened. Pandemic injuries, all that. So right. I want to give him a but B enemy, oh my God, I would love I would love to see B enemy as a head coach in, in the Cowboys. That'd be kind of sweet. Oh man. The enemy with Dak and running that offense. Whew. Yep. That'd be pretty yep. sweet, man. But as you said, we're not going to see it anytime soon with that contract McCarthy has. Uh, how should the Cowboys approach the final couple weeks here? I want to get Katie's take on that. Let's do that coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 14 Sunday night football game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Buffalo Bills. The Bills return home as two-and-a-half-point favorites against the Steelers, who come off their first loss of the season, losing 23-17 to the Washington football team Monday night. Jeff, do the Steelers get back on track, or are the Bills now contenders to win the AFC? Nope. I like the Bills here to win by more than a field goal. Head coach Sean McDermott is a defensive guru, and the Steelers have become a one-dimensional offense over the past couple weeks. Also, they looked kind of weak against Alex Smith in that Washington passing attack, which is not nearly as explosive as Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Again, I like the Bills minus two and a half here. I'm going to get back on the Steelers. This is a get-right game for them. James Conner expected back from the COVID list. That's huge. That makes them two-dimensional once again. Gives them that rushing attack they've sorely missed. And there's just way too many weapons in that passing game. Give me the Steelers plus 2.5. They may even win this one outright. Back the Steelers to win on the road in Buffalo. All right, man. So I know how you kind of feel about this. We've talked about it in previous episodes. You want to see the young guys get some run, right? And we saw a little bit more of that against the Ravens, right? We saw some Reggie Robinson. He got out there finally. He was finally active for a game. We saw the fifth-round pick, Bradley Anai. I'm wondering maybe down the stretch if uh, we've seen enough Andy Dalton because it's just the offense just isn't very explosive with Andy Dalton. I mean, it's fine 
but it's kind of vanilla, right, Katie? It's not we're not seeing we're not seeing the same explosiveness with Andy Dalton under center at all. Maybe we see some more of the Nooch or Garrett Gilbert, right? Maybe we see maybe we just see some more additions here throughout the final couple of weeks. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's definitely the way that they need to go. I just don't know if it's the way that they're going to go. Yeah. Uh, the the coaching staff is going to come to the realization that the rest of the world has, including the NFL, that they just flexed the Cowboys out of Sunday night football, which I didn't even think they were going to do. Uh, but it's, it's very clear that they're not going to win the division. So why not play the youngsters? Uh, we've been begging for them to do things like play the young guys, have different configurations on the offensive line, things that will really help you gather intel for where you're going to be in the 2021 season. I don't think that four games is enough because you could see somebody bubble up for four games and then you know that it might be fool's goal they might not be that player good point when you turn around next year the the time to make this move was to admit when Dak Prescott went down that your season was over and start to do some of these configurations play Zach Martin to tackle play Connor Williams to tackle play you know Connor McGovern more now you're forced to because uh, Martin's hurt but you don't have a serviceable tackle next to McGovern so you really don't get a full inclination about what he's going to be moving forward with uh, you know star tackles next to him uh, but Reggie Robinson he was activated he played three snaps. They were all on special teams. So they activated him because they had to, but they didn't use the guy. Right. Um, Bradley and I is not being played right now. We have no idea why. Uh, other players that are just not getting to run. Play Rico Dowdle. Play, you know, uh, Ezekiel Elliott showed up on the uh, injury list today. Uh, my partner in crime at, on the Catch His Fade podcast, Patrick Walker, has been saying, let's go ahead and sit Ezekiel Elliott to keep him safe for next year. Let's not have any injuries that are going to interrupt his offseason. And let some of these other guys uh, get in there and save the wear and tear on your nine million dollar man if you're going to play Ezekiel Elliott there's no reason to play him down the stretch when the games aren't important so let's say that wear and tear on his body there are things like that that they can do up and down the roster the question is whether or not the coaching staff is actually going to be smart enough to do it no I agree 100% let's let's sit down Zeke especially if he's dealing with a hamstring or whatever it's a calf now it was a hamstring a couple weeks ago and now it's a calf so those two leg injuries that he's dealing with in a lost season why are you playing him that's enough we can we can let uh, Tony Pollard roll now and on that same note I'm like I hear that Zach Martin's going to – he could be back. They might clear him. He could be back before the end of the season. Why? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, why? And same with uh, Trevon Diggs. Like, at this point, I'd rather just keep him healthy, keep him on the sideline, you know, let him learn and study in other ways and get the young kids out there. I, I think on that same note, it's like the give and take. Play the young guys. I, yeah, like, you, we got him active finally, but you're right. Like, they didn't get any run on defense. Right. Franch- Francis Bernard yeah. is only playing on special teams. You know, right. guys like that. Uh, Luke Thomas is going to come back from uh, – sorry, Luke Gifford is going to come back from his suspension. Go ahead and get him some run. The one thing that I will say is I'm interested in Trevon digs if he is fully healthy you don't rush him back by any stretch of the imagination but if he's fully healthy he needs all of the reps that he can get as a young guy i want him to be your number one no question number one cornerback next season so i would love to get him two more games of snaps of repetitions for him to be even more comfortable once we hit the field running in 2021 that's the only guy i would say that i would bring back but zach martin there's absolutely no reason to bring him back right now cowboys at bengals katie is there anything you're you're looking forward to here i mean for me it was like joey burrow if he wasn't hurt, that I would have been. Right. I've been tuning in for Joe Burrow, but man, there's, there's not a lot. There's not a lot to bite into here. There's not a lot of good eating here. Cowboys, Bengals, a lot of injuries on both sides. Flexed out of that primetime spot. I mean, for a casual fan, even for a diehard fan, there's not a lot of eating here. Well, you know, I've never been team tank. I've I've never condoned tanking. The season is lost right now. And while individual victories, while I'm watching the game, I will always root for the Cowboys to do well. I don't get upset when they lose, but I will always root for the Cowboys to do well in the middle of a game. Right. But there are really four teams that have a chance of getting the number three overall pick. And if we assume that Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are going 
one, two. The team with the third pick could control how things are going to go when it comes to the third quarterback, who everybody assumes right now is Zach Wilson. And there are some teams that believe that Zach Wilson is a better prospect than Justin Fields. So you would assume there are going to be some teams that are willing to move up to the number three pick in order to get Zach Wilson and to beat out some of the other teams that could select him. You have Cincinnati, Dallas, the Los Angeles Chargers, and now the Philadelphia Eagles, who have benched Carson Wentz. So you're dealing with a situation where even though you might not be looking for the Cowboys to do anything exemplary a game against Cincinnati, the fact that they could end up with the number three pick and basically leapfrog a team that, because remember, Cincinnati and the Eagles tied. So there's no way that you can end up with the same record as Cincinnati unless, of course, you tie another game. But for all intents and purposes, they're either going to be a game, a half game up or a half game back when it's all said and done. So losing to the Bengals would improve the Cowboys' chances of getting that number three pick and being able to control the draft because we all know the Jets and Jacksonville are going to go quarterback one and two. Uh, so that control of the draft really being the first in-play pick of the 2021 draft is worth watching to see what transpires. You can root for the Cowboys. You can be happy that they lose at the end and basically walk away with it with the rest of your Sunday because thank goodness it's an early noon kickoff and not the atrocity I had to cover a game that started at 8 p.m. on a Tuesday night. <laughs> Tuesday nights are my night, guy. So let's not do any more of this late night stuff with the Cowboys. I am thrilled they flex them out of the Sunday night. I don't want to see any more nighttime games with the Cowboys because that's really unfair to the people that have to cover this team. That's KD Drummond. Join <laughs> us next week on the Cowboys Wire podcast. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.